Welcome back to Sideline Exposure. I am your host, Mitchell Crossan, and here we are recapping the newest college football rankings in week 12. So similar to last week, we're going to go ahead and work our way backwards. Start at 25 and then work our way back into the top 10, the top 4, and talk about that, what we've seen along the way. The Mississippi State Bulldogs found themselves ranked again, 25th sneaking back in with a 6-4 and four record. And then we saw Houston come in, 9-1, 24th. This is a team that a lot of people felt like should have been ranked weeks ago and now just gives an opportunity for another group of five team to make that appearance in the top 25. We do see Utah 23rd with a 7-3 record. And this is an interesting team because it seems like Oregon and Utah are going to play twice. So we know that, that they will play once um, in the remainder of the regular season, but they will most likely be the two teams that meet as we go into the Pac-12 championship game. And it's very hard to beat the same team twice, no matter who you are on this side. So that could be where Oregon slips up for the second time this year. The UTSA Roadrunners found themselves 22nd at a 10-0 record. And frankly, that's where they belong. I, yeah, I don't really care if they float around anywhere from 20 to 25. I don't really think they could be ranked any higher than 20. And I know RJ Young is out there talking about how being undefeated matters the most and how disrespectful it is to have UTSA ranked 22nd. But the fact of the matter is they're in Conference USA. Their strength of schedule is not there. I don't care if they've played Illinois. Illinois is an awful program and is one of the worst in the Big Ten. There's, if your strength of schedule is bad and you are not in a Power 5 conference, being undefeated is great. And yes, it is hard to be undefeated and win in November. But at the end of the day, you have to look at how your schedule is weighed. And in this case, Conference USA is not strong enough to actually put UTSA in a position where they could actually be in the conversation to make the playoff. Then we start getting into Arkansas 7-3, NC State 7-3, kind of that middle of the pack, nothing special. And then we see San Diego State, Pitt, and then Iowa. You see Iowa hanging around a little bit. You know, they went from being just super, super high to start the year, obviously a couple bad losses, and then here they are now. Maybe got themselves back on track a little bit. What I was a little surprised to see was Texas A&M with a 7-3 record, hovering around 16 after a loss to Ole Miss. And I wrote about this on one of my blogs. You can check that out at sidelineexposure.com. But it really feels like what the committee has done, especially pertaining to Alabama, and we'll get to them in a second, but when the committee initially released their rankings and they had Alabama number two, it feels like they filled in the rest of those rankings that then helped their argument and justified their ranking of Alabama. Texas A&M has not been a good team. They were a good team on the night that they played and beat Alabama at home. They have not been a good team since. And now we've seen with three losses, this is a team that a lot of people were very excited about. Jimbo Fisher really feels like he is building something at Texas A&M, and it does. But this is what A&M is. They're a 7-3 team. They're not going to go out there and rip off an undefeated season. Yeah, they can beat an Alabama-type team every now and then. But the fact of the matter is 
this just adds to the justification of keeping Bama high, and we'll get to that in a little bit. 15, we do have Wisconsin, and there's been so much talk about the Big Ten East and that the Big Three, right? Ohio State, Michigan State, and Michigan, with Ohio State and Michigan State playing each other this week and Ohio State and Michigan playing the week after. There's so much talk about that on, you know, who's going to survive the East out of those three teams, who's going to win, who's going to represent that division in the Big Ten Championship and ultimately go on, win that game and present the Big Ten, represent the Big Ten in the college football playoff. But we just keep overlooking teams from the West. Now, I'm not saying that the Big Ten West has teams that are going to compete for a spot to be in the CFP. But what the matter is, Wisconsin started off slow, had a couple losses, right? Lost to Notre Dame, did not get their footing. Then they got back to their basics. We're a defensive team, and we're going to run the ball. We're not going to beat you with explosive plays throwing the ball. We don't have crazy skilled guys like Ohio State. Wisconsin has found their identity, gone back to that, and now we see them ranked 15th and a really good shot to win the Big Ten West and represent that division as we finish out the last couple weeks here in the regular season. A couple of other highlights here. We have BYU sitting at 14, and then we see Oklahoma who dropped to 13 with the first loss of the year to Baylor, and that was definitely not a surprise. We knew that was coming. We do see Ole Miss at 12 after that nice win over Texas A&M. And then that's where we see the Baylor Bears next falling in at 11, just outside the top 10 after their win over Oklahoma. Now we get into the nitty and gritty of these rankings. So Wake Forest at 10, all things considered, they've had a fantastic historical year. I, If you have told me Wake Forest would be 9-1 and one and ranked in the top 10 going into Week 12 of the season, I, I, I would have said that you're crazy. But the fact of the matter is they've had just such a great year, and that's a great job for that program. Offensively, they've been unstoppable. And I understand that the ACC has been down this year. They have not been a good program. But the fact of the matter is defensively, they can't stop anybody, but they're putting up points. And so you start to see Wake Forest have some life. And it's not only good for the conference, but it's good for the sport in general. Oklahoma State at 9 and Notre Dame at 8. So now things really get interesting because now we're at the point where you see teams that we can just get into the argument of controlling their own destiny. Oklahoma State's going to play Oklahoma. And that is going to give the opportunity for either team to have really good wins. Notre Dame is a little bit of an interesting story and everybody pretty much wrote them off after their loss to Cincinnati. But now they've kept crawling back. They're winning. They're controlling the ball, controlling the clock. And they've found some productivity on the ground. And they're actually in a position where, again, they need a little bit to lose from the up top, right? They need a little bit of chaos. But they're actually in a position to where they're right back in that conversation. And now we get into the bulk of the Big Ten, and Cincinnati. So, similar as last week, Michigan found themselves ranked ahead of the Spartans, Michigan at 6, and Michigan State at 7. This was not a surprise after what we saw the committee had them ranked last week. Frankly, it's ridiculous, and 
the the chair, Gary Barta, and he was driving me crazy when they were talking about it. Because they consistently say, well, you know, the committee casted their votes and, uh, you know, Michigan, Michigan got the nod. You know, when you look at the film, the full body of work, we think that Michigan is the better team. But then you look at, okay, why is Ohio State still at four, Oregon at three, even though Ohio State has looked like the much better team and just had a big 21-point win over a ranked Purdue team at the time last week? And it was, well, you know, Oregon, they went in, they have the head-to-head win, and that's one big part of the element. And they did it on the road at Ohio State. But he started that conversation by saying, they have the head-to-head win. And that drives me nuts because that's how they justify Oregon still being ahead of Ohio State. Well, Oregon won straight up. But when they bring up Michigan and Michigan State, the first thing that they bring up is not the head-to-head win. So off the bat, it's the same inconsistency that we see over and over. Now, I guess it has to do with Oregon winning on the road. And I think I've realized a lot of people don't know that playing in the horseshoe at Columbus is not this crazy place to play. And yes, you're going to have 100,000 people, but it's not a place where opponents go to die. It's not like you're going to the whiteout at Penn State where you're going down to play A&M with just a crazy rocking environment. Every three, four years, Ohio State does lose a big-time non-conference game. In 2014, we saw it. At home, they lost to Virginia Tech. In 2017, at home, they lose to Baker Mayfield in Oklahoma. And then now, 2021, they lose at home to Oregon. So it's not this crazy, hard place to play. Yes, it gets loud, right? The shoe gets rocking, 100,000-plus people, of course. I actually almost feel like Ohio State plays better on the road, really. And you know, whenever Ohio State is an underdog or if they're going into an environment, they almost make themselves feel like they're an underdog. Because think about it, right? Ohio State's the big bad team in the Big Ten. And frankly, whoever they go to, whoever they're playing on the road, that team wants to be the team to knock them off. Which is why we've seen, especially as of late, whenever Ohio State goes on the road, it's almost a night game for that other team because it's just a really big deal. So the head-to-head matchups, I guess, do matter only in certain circumstances. Now, with this being said, I do feel like a lot of people are on the same page with the point that Ohio State does have a chance to jump Oregon in these polls. Now we are really in the last two weeks of the season. Ohio State is going to play Michigan State top 10 matchup, and assuming Michigan takes care of business this week as well, Ohio State will play Michigan in another top 10 matchup. Either this weekend or next weekend, assuming those games are as hyped and live up to that hype as they should, I think Ohio State will jump Oregon. If Ohio State doesn't, I I really don't know what to say about the committee. I mean, It's clearly flawed, and we've been over that, and the inconsistencies have been very clear this year. It just doesn't, it seems like it's just a case-by-case basis on when head-to-heads matter. Oregon-Ohio State, oh, immediately the head-to-head matchup. 
on the road. Oregon won. Michigan, Michigan State. Well, actually, you know, Michigan looks like a better team and yada, yada, yada. Ohio State offensively is just humming right now and got back on track against Purdue. Defensively, yes, they're not the all-star caliber that they have been in years past, but they are much improved, look much better, and they're starting to get some production now from their D-line and some of their linebackers like Steel Chambers. And so the inconsistencies are prevalent, and I'm definitely excited to see what's going to happen as we head into this weekend. Okay, I feel like I'm going to talk about Alabama probably every week for the rest of the season while these rankings are coming out, but I mean, we're at this point, so I have to talk about the Crimson Tide. It's very interesting that they're remaining number two, and it's not that it's surprising, because it's not. I think the only thing people thought could have happened was Ohio State maybe jumping Oregon, and at this point, if Ohio State takes care of business, it doesn't feel like it's an if. It feels like maybe it's more like a when. With Alabama, they're holding true and steady at that number two spot. And as long as they don't lose, even if they don't look good, I don't think the committee is going to bump them down at all. Maybe Ohio State could take that number two spot for them if they just go out and absolutely dominate Michigan State and Michigan. Because if you just absolutely trash two top 10 teams, it's hard to not move you up that much. But the point is, assuming Georgia wins out and Alabama wins out and they meet in the SEC championship game, if Alabama loses to Georgia, and Joey Galloway brought this up, a very interesting point, Alabama would have two losses. And immediately you're going to say, oh, well, yeah, you know, that's their second loss. They don't deserve to be in the playoff. No team with two losses has ever gotten into the CFP since it first came in the 2014 season. And frankly, I agree. They shouldn't get it. But the point Joey was bringing up, and it was more of just for discussion and a point of conversation, is Georgia has been untouchable all year. No one has even come close to them. And if Alabama plays Georgia and loses, but it's a really, really tight game, almost a go-either-way type game where Georgia ultimately pulls it out at the very end. Since nobody else could even hang with Georgia, I mean, I don't know, that's the best, not only is that the best loss in the country, but could you really make the argument that that's the best second-ranked team in the country if no one else has played Georgia that good other than Bama? And so I actually thought Joey was bringing up a very interesting point. And I think that, frankly, that is what the committee would use as part of their argument for keeping Bama in the playoffs. It let's say they do lose that close game to Georgia and they end up with two losses. Again, and we talked about this, but this is going to put them on a crash collision course with undefeated Cincinnati. And, and this is where I really think it could threaten the sport is if a two loss Alabama team got in that fourth spot over an undefeated Cincinnati, I'm not even sure what to think. It, it, it's one thing if Bama, let's say they lose to Auburn, but then beat Georgia in the SEC championship. 
I still don't love the two losses, and we'd have to dive into that. That'd be a deeper and a different conversation. But if they beat Georgia, who was like untouchable all year, and they have that SEC championship win, that means something. If they don't even win their conference and they have two losses, I don't care who you lost to. I don't care that you played Georgia good. You also lost to Texas A&M. And not that this matters as much, not that style of points is that big of a deal, but you also have what's good. You're one-dimensional against a 500 LC team, and they had a chance to not only tie the game, but win the game. They were throwing the ball into the end zone in that game. So this is not an untouchable Alabama team. And I think that if they do end up losing their second game in a tight contest to Georgia in the SEC championship, if they get in over Cincinnati in that fourth spot, I think that would be nuts. Well, that concludes this episode of Sideline Exposure. Thank you for listening. Feel free to check out our website at sidelineexposure.com. If you enjoy the show, leave a review. And you can also find us on Instagram at Sideline Exposure and on Twitter at Sideline Expose. We got some monster games coming up this weekend. I'm really excited to watch Ohio State, Michigan State. That has huge playoff implications, so that's going to be a great game. But in the meantime, enjoy the games this weekend, and stay tuned for a new episode to come out next Sunday, recapping the games from Week 12.